0: I always liked that he said, Give her something to eat. Attentive to every need. If you walk into St. Joe's, you see it on the sign out in front. It's somewhere, I'm sure, in the narthex St. Joseph Catholic Church. St. Joseph Catholic Church. I think instead it should say St. Joseph Pagan Temple. St. Joe's Pagan Temple. It's not just St. Joe's. I think if you went to Rome, St. Peter's Basilica, I think that should say St. Peter's Pagan Temple. What's this? Has Cardinal Supic got another rogue priest on his hands? No. I carry every priest has issued a little card, little plastic card. I'm not making this up. It's in Latin and it says, so-and-so is a good priest, there's a priest in good standing of the Archdiocese of Chicago for the year 2021. And that should say, most of the time, Father John Karchi is a pagan high priest. So what gives? Well, if you're like me, when I look at these miracle stories, especially the one for today, what do I fixate on? Well, I fixate on the miracle itself, but I also fixate on the fact that They want Jesus, but they don't want the Jesus that you and I often talk about. They want the guy. They want the person you and I don't have, the man, flesh and blood, Jesus of Nazareth. And so when they seek healing, they need him. Hey, Jesus, the synagogue official says, I need you to come and save my daughter. That means I physically need you, the guy, flesh and blood, to come with me, the other guy, and we're going to walk a distance and we're going to go into this house and you're going to touch or say something to the body of my girl and she's going to be well. And on the way there's the woman suffering horribly with the hemorrhage and she's looking for the guy, Jesus of Nazareth, the man who's walking on the street in the crowd. And if he's going to be of any use to her, she knows she has to reach out and touch him and grab onto his cloak. And if she does that, then maybe something will heal her physical wound. I say they live in a world you and I don't live in. They live on their side of the resurrection, as maybe you've heard me say many times before. But that resurrection makes all the difference in the world. It means that you and I don't need the guy, Jesus of Nazareth. And so when I say sometimes our Catholic churches should be called pagan temples or I should be called a pagan priest, it's because we pray like Christians, but we often think like pagans. At least I know I do. That resurrection, that's not just some event in Jesus' life. It literally transforms everything. It transforms the world. It transforms every person you or I will ever meet. And it transforms the way we experience God in our presence. And that can just sound like some vague theology lesson, I think, until we're plunged face-first into a gospel like the one we have today. Because there's not a person in this room who can't think of something that if they could just magically have God fix, they would have him fix. I don't care how old or young you are. Maybe the thing you would want is an endless bag of Cheerios at Mass. Fine. Fine. If only God could do this, then everything would be okay. That's not what they meant on the other side of the resurrection. What they meant was, I need to physically have this person. I need him right at my side. I need to be holding on to him. And the only thing healing can mean for me is that this illness would physically stop, is that this dead body perhaps would magically rise is that somehow the laws of physics and nature themselves would be altered and changed or reversed. But the resurrection gives a lie to that claim. If I really lived like a Christian, it wouldn't just mean I admired the guy described in the Gospels. And boy, he was kind to people, so I should try to be kind to people. And he prayed to God, so I should try to pray to God. Those are all really important things to do but I have something much more than they had in their wildest dreams, and so do you. This idea of a transformed reality. Okay, so what does that look like? Why is that actually of some value to us? Well, the cross says, look at what you're suffering with. Look at what you wish could be changed. Yeah, a lot of times, maybe not that dramatically, but that's what it looks like. I'm helpless. I'm pinned. I seem to be at the Mercy of others' whims, lots of really evil, bad choices are causing me all sorts of trouble. Take the resurrection out of the picture, and that's what defines us, right? We're no better than the empty bag of Cheerios in our hands. We're no better than our last failure. We're no better than that shame or memory that dogs us and won't let us rise above So how do you access this transformed world? Well, you do what that woman did, but you're not confined to a world or a vision that says, I got to hold on to this guy. Yes, come to here, come to church, pray together, receive the Eucharist, pray in adoration. Yet there are people today, they'll do everything to touch the relic of a saint, And do that that's a beautiful thing but if you do it with the mindset of the woman in the gospel you're still living on her side of the resurrection we're about to have the opportunity not to touch the relic of a saint or the cloak of Jesus tunic we're about to touch the body and blood of Christ but then beyond that beyond that physical touching beyond within this physical space Jesus is passing by 24 7 And so what that means is with great intentionality to say, I'm going to live the way he called us to live because that's how I'm going to access him. Love one another as I have loved you. Well, what does that look like? Self-sacrificially. I want to be able to extend myself to another in generosity. I want to be able to extend forgiveness even when I don't feel like it in my heart. I want to live as if you are an embodiment of the body of Christ. And that should literally change the decisions that I make. Now, I get it. An atheist can say, well, all you're trying to do is be a good person. You don't need God for that. Well, I don't lose sleep over what atheists think about my faith. Instead, actually put it into practice. And I know you guys do it much better than I do, so I'm talking to myself. But leave today thinking like that woman in the crowd. Jesus is here. He's passing by. He's as intimately close as as he ever was to her, in fact much closer. So what's your version of reaching out and grabbing onto his cloak? You know, doggone it, I know this person has shut me down every time I've tried to reach out to them, but I'm reaching out one more time. Because the value in doing that is not measured by how that person responds. The value in doing that is opening up our own heart to the transformative power of love. We might just be surprised at how that transformative power begins to affect the other people around us. But even if we don't see that change immediately in real time, that doesn't mean transformation isn't happening. On their side of the resurrection, that's how you knew it. The lame person got up and they danced away. Well, far more lame people in Jesus' day were not healed than were healed. And if you were on their side of the resurrection and you weren't physically healed, you didn't have a whole lot to say about what God was doing. On our side of the resurrection, that ain't the case. So just a little spiritual exercise in this seemingly very ordinary 13th week of ordinary time, put to the test this extraordinary claim. We live in a totally different world than the folks in the gospels, even though if you're like me, At times you hear these stories and you think, oh man, if only I lived in that time. If only I had what they had. We should all be tired of living like pagans when we know deep down we are Christians. I'm talking to myself more than I'm talking to you. But I don't want Father Trout to have to change the sign out there. And I know that he doesn't.